Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you as you return to your seats today. Are you ready to hear from God's Word? Hear something great and powerful? I believe God's got a good truth for us this morning. Before I get to that, just allow me to say a few things. Number one, we are in 21 days of prayer for our campus and, and for the development of our campus, the purchase of a building. And so we have two weeks left in that. We have sign-up sheets out under the orange tent. We would love to have you sign up. We still have some vacancies there for you to be praying for that. We could really use your prayers this week. I will be having a meeting on Thursday that's significant in that process. And we would really love it if you would be supporting us in prayer for that. Also, there are sign-up sheets there on the table, and of course, you can do this online as well at lifechurchwi.com. You can sign up for our life groups. We would love to have you be in a life group. It's really the lifeblood of our church and, and relationships and getting to know each other beyond just what happens on Sundays, so we'd love to have you do that. It was our privilege to be with about 12 people on Friday night, we had a wonderful dinner, just sat around, had a, had a short devotional, and it was really just a great, great time uh, of being together, and that's what we need more of, and so we would love for you to be a part of that. Also, finally, before I speak, let me say this. This is a sad day for me, as well as it's a happy day uh, for me concerning her, but it's our loss that Jamie Graham, this is her last Sunday with us. And so uh, Jamie will be going part-time with Life Church down in Germantown, but not having any Sunday responsibilities. And so I'm happy for you, Jamie, and I'm sad for us. And let me say that if I could keep her here forever, that would be my desire. So, uh, But we pray God's best for you as you go on and get some rest and have a great summer. I think I'm going to go part-time this summer also. So <clears throat> going to be great. Well, we're in week two of a series that we have called Invisible Matters. Invisible Matters, it's a series designed to highlight uh, some of the areas in our lives that, that lay below the surface. They're invisible matters that uh, sometimes it's easy not to pay close enough attention to. And one of those is our prayer life, and what uh, we would say our devotional life. And last week, Pastor Aaron talked about the fact that these invisible matters are kind of like uh, health issues, health problems that deteriorate, and they don't show themselves until there's a real problem. So my brother Kevin, three years ago, he's an inch or two shorter than I am and 40 pounds lighter than I am, so that'll give you a picture. He ran a marathon this summer, and he, he basically makes me sick, and he, he does uh, 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 CrossFit and all that kind of stuff, and, and um, so he, he went to a Zumba class, just totally out of character. His friend runs a, a gym, and, and he said, I got to go to this Zumba class, and Kevin lived at the time about seven miles out of town and so his family's like what are you going to do that for and and he said I just feel like I need to go to this Zumba class tonight so he went and and just as the music started he fell over on his face and basically died 
uh, I, I guess not even basically, he died. They put him on an AED. It shocked him three times, and it got his heart back in a workable rhythm, and he survived. And he had a blockage, no symptoms previously. Had he been home seven miles out of town, he would have died. I originally thought that God, this happened to him because God was trying to communicate that men should not go to Zumba class. That's what I thought. I mean, but I guess God had a bigger plan uh, that it was to, to save his life. And so these things can lay under the surface of our lives. And if you're not careful, you just don't realize what's happening. Have you ever noticed someone that you thought was a strong, vibrant believer and suddenly something happens in their life or they just, they just totally disappear and you're like, what happened? Well, I promise you that there was an invisible matter that they weren't taking care of and suddenly it just became big enough to overtake their life, much like that heart attack. And so one of these issues, as I said, is our devotional life. It's one of the things that lays below the surface of our lives. Nobody knows. You could go for a month and never spend personal or quiet time with God, and none of us would know it, right? Because you would still come here and go through the motions. You would still come here and love Jesus. But as time goes on, as you get more and more distant from God, things begin to change in your life. And it's that connection with God that makes all of the difference. Kristen and I recently, both of us have been working out of the house. And fortunately, we were able to do that for years when we were in the early years of our marriage. So we're able to do it pretty good, pretty well, I should say. And it, it goes pretty much flawlessly. It's a great time. But we're doing all kinds of things together, right? And then a few nights ago, uh, we just ended up in the bedroom and we sat down on the bed and probably one of us, you know, thought, hey, you know, maybe I'm going to get to kiss her here or something like that. Uh, and we, we sat on the bed, right? And we started to talk and here we'd been busy all day. And then we just started to visit and talk and look at some things together that, that we had wanted to make decisions on. And it was, there was nothing burdensome at all. No job. Yeah, we, we wanted to accomplish a few things, but, but no job. It was really just centered around being together. And when I left the room... She said, thanks for being with me, right? Thanks for being with me. That's what we're talking about with God. Yeah, we do all kinds of things. We're involved in all types of, of works. We're involved in all types of busy things for church or our kids and all of this different stuff. But this idea of our devotional life, we have to get right as Christ followers, or it's going to become an invisible matter that eventually rises to the surface of our lives and reveals that something was not right as we were following 
the Lord. And prayer is interesting, isn't it? Now, I know that, that there's a difference in prayer in our devotions and then public prayer, but I find prayer to be very interesting for a lot of different people. And some of you here today, you're like, I don't need to hear anything on prayer today because I am on the mountaintop. I've got it going on with Jesus. We are so close, and, and, and so this is not really a sermon I need. And some of you today, you automatically feel guilt when I say, I'm going to talk about personal devotions. Because you've started to think about it as, as a responsibility, a work of a Christian, rather than an opportunity to connect or just be with the creator of the universe, the one who loves you more than anyone else. Some of you are frustrated because you've tried it, but it doesn't seem to work. I mean, you've invested in it. You've, you've tried to have some personal devotions, but no matter what you do, it just doesn't seem to really come together for you. But prayer is a part of those devotions. And I'm, I'm always so fascinated to watch people pray. Now, mo our devotions usually are done in private, but you got all types of prayers, right? You have the silent prayer. That's the guy or the girl at the restaurant. You're there with a the group, and you say, hey, who's going to pray? How about you, Bill? And he says, okay, I'll pray. Everybody bows their head, and it's totally silent for about four seconds, right? And you're like, now people are starting to look around. Hey, Bill, are you going to pray? And he says, I am praying. <laughs> He's the silent prayer or the whisper prayer. You, you, you're around somebody and they whisper all the time they pray. I have a friend who I used to talk very, very soft and he nicknamed me the whisperer. Dan the whisperer. And that's how some people pray. And then you have the yeller prayer. Have you ever been around one of those? The yeller prayer, and for those of you who are from the South, I did not just describe their color, okay? It's a yeller prayer. Every time they pray, it's got to be, dear God, right? That was how I felt my dad prayed in the restaurants on Friday night in our hometown. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the missionaries. We thank, And I mean, he was just going, and I'm like, Dad, it's football night. The place Pizza Hut's packed. You got the yeller prayer, the spitter prayer. Somebody's praying for you. You know it's true. They're praying for you, and every time they say something, you feel these little water things coming over you, right? How about the pusher prayer? You've gone up to the, to, to the front of the auditorium and somebody's going to pray for you. And, and I've had a few in my life that I've identified and they, they just don't feel that, that there's been a good service unless somebody is kind of just down under the power of the Spirit of God, right? And so I know going up in my life who those people are. And so if I end up, I usually try and avoid them, but if I end up with them there, I, I take my place, I got my back foot behind me, and they're, they're pushing on me, you know, and I'm standing there braced. I'm not going, I'm not going. Now, there are times in my private life when I'm so taken by the presence of God, I'm just out, I'm just sitting there, laying there, not conscious of anything. But I just don't want to be the one 
pushed over, you know, uh, by the pusher prayer. So prayer takes all these different formats. But to me, one of the most powerful is when you sit on your bed or your chair or your sofa or wherever it is, and you just be with the one who created you. You just be with the God that you love, that you do everything for. Sometimes we're so busy doing for God that we can't even spend some time with him. So I want to talk to you today about some things that, as Christ followers, we've got to get straight in our lives or we're just going to struggle. In fact, I would go so far as to say, if you don't get these things straight in your life, you're going to end up with burnout. You're going to end up doing more for God than you actually have the capacity for in your heart. You're going to end up frustrated. You're going to end up frustrated because you're putting all of this energy into your walk with God or your faith but you're just getting frustration back out of it. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus made seven I am statements. And we're going to look at the final I am statement that he made in John chapter 15. And I want to talk to you about abiding in the vine. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 5, it reads like this. I'm the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you. Abide in me or remain in me. Different translations use a different word there. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Or remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think there are three invisible matters in this text that... We really need to get right. And the first one is mentioned in verse 1 and verse 5. It's that Jesus says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. And then verse 5, for apart from me, you can do nothing. God is the creator of every single thing in our lives. And the first thing that invisible matter that you have to bring to your mind this morning is this. Jesus is the supreme source of all the strength in your life. He is the supreme source of all the strength in your life. Colossians 1.16 says that you were created by God and for God. We can't do anything of value apart from God. Jesus is pretty clear, apart from me, you can do nothing. But the problem is, somewhere along the way, people started to think that they actually can do it without God. Do you know that even Christians, practically speaking, begin to live that way? We profess faith sometimes, 
that we don't interact with on a regular basis. We profess a belief in the vine, the one who gives us strength, without turning to him or spending the time with him that produces that strength. I find it interesting that even Jesus, time after time when he would minister, would say that early in the morning, before the sun was up, Jesus was up spending time with the Father. The Spirit of God is available to us. But if, you, if we allow ourselves to believe or think that we can actually do it on our own, this invisible matter is going to get out of control or out of line in our lives. You think of the Tower of Babel. What was that about? The Tower of Babel was really about people wanting to be like God, wanting to do God's job, be equal with God. So we're going to build this tower to the heavens so we can be equal with God. What did God do? The tower is destroyed and people are dispersed throughout the whole earth. It's foolishness. Our power comes from God. The power is always available. The relationship with Kristen is always there, but it's different and enjoyed and experienced differently when you spend that time, when you're just with each other. Think of it. How many of you in your journey with God are just with God on a regular basis? Not doing something for him, not even viewing your devotional time as, as a, an obligation, but just spending time with him. So my question is, does the way you live your life right now line up with the statement that Jesus made in John 15 that I am the true vine that all the strength in your life comes from me that apart from me you can do nothing or somewhere along the way did you say no God I got this I'll take the reins I can, I can figure it out I can get this one got, done, God. You know, I, I, I know that, that I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I know that you love me, but I, I can manage it myself. If that's the way we approach our Christian experience, you are headed for a road of anxiety, difficulty, and burnout. Because what brings the nourishment is that we look back to the vine, to the true vine. Second principle is this. Abiding is an essential, invisible matter for the Christ follower. In verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. So we don't use that word abide very often. What does that mean? It means to be fixed on something 
or to be steady with it. And I think the average Christ follower has a tendency to be fixed on Jesus theologically, to have our minds set on him theologically, but it's not as easy to do relationally. And Jesus is saying, not only in your mind, but abide with me in your heart. Have you ever felt like those of you who are married, like you're two single people living together, even though you're married? Have you ever gone through those stretches? I'm glad we haven't, but maybe others have. <laughs> That's humor, people. You can laugh. You can, you know. Yeah, people go through that. They say, we feel single. We're just not connecting. And people will tend sometimes to live their spiritual life that way. Colossians 4.2 says this. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind. All we have to do is show up. God will do the rest if we show up. Think of this. In the, in the analogy of the vine, when you think of a vineyard, the vine does not work to produce the fruit, does it? The vine feeds the branch, and the branch creates the fruit. You think, you think the vine is sitting there saying, I just got to get this done. I got to create, you know, and feed this branch and, and make some fruit. No, it's just a byproduct of the vine. If we just show up, guys, day after day after day, fruit is produced. That's our job. Just show up. Now, we have to show up with an alert mind. You can't show up and, and be half asleep. We've all had those days. You know, you have to, but, but just getting there is our role and our job just to be with God. Imagine with me, if you would, a rich man. So you know this is not a story about me. So a rich man, he gives you a million dollars, right? And he says, I'm going to give you a million dollars, and I want you to put it in your pocket, and you keep that million dollars there for 30 days, for one month. And when I come back, if you still have that million dollars in your pocket, I'll give you $10 million for the one million. Can you imagine how you would be with that million dollars? First of all, is there anybody who would decline, right? You would decline? Wow. Okay, well, that's not really declining. That's just a lack of self-discipline, but that's another message. Anyway, moving along, <coughs> I would be right in, okay? I'd say, okay, I, I'll take that million bucks. I'll take the challenge. I'll put it in my pocket. I'll Can you imagine how you would be for the next 30 days? You'd be like constantly, people would be like, why do you keep rubbing your leg? I'm just checking on my money, man. I'm just checking on my money. 
You would have your hand in your pocket more than you ever had your hand in your pocket. Feeling that money, is it still there? At night, what would you do? Probably put your jeans under your pillow, right? You would not want to lose that. That's what it is to remain in the vine, right? To consistently focus on Jesus throughout the day. And here's the deal. When you do, you get a much greater return than just an earthly $10 million. If you learn to abide in the vine, if you learn to just be there, just be present, and let God connect with you emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, all of these ways, God will transform your life just because you keep your hand on your pocket. Just because you don't let go. Just because you're continuously reflecting toward him. That's pretty good, isn't it? You can say that's good when it's good. That was good. And God wants to, trans God wants to be involved with you throughout the day. And he wants your mind to be fixed on him. Works, the third one is this. Works have no lasting value apart from God. Verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, we love to take credit for everything. Everything good that happens in our lives, we, we like to take credit for, right? There's this place. It's kind of a wicked place in us that we, we just naturally want to take credit for it. I heard a great quote recently uh, come from Jerry Jones, the uh, owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And he said, when I moved into my office, there was a sign or a plaque on my desk. And it said, the more you give credit to others, the more successful you'll be. He took a beating in the media the rest of the day <laughs> because he's so involved and takes the credit for so many things that happened with his team. And, and that's just a kind of an out-of-control representation of how we can be, that we want to take the credit for it. We say, even of our job, well, I go to work every day. I, I put in my eight or 12 hours a day, and, and I've earned this money. But you know what? you know what the Bible says? It's God who gave you the ability to work the job you work to make the money you make. There's nothing that you can do apart from God and the strength of God. It all goes back to him. Bible says that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he built this bridge to us. You know, he helped us get over the bridge by the drawing of his Holy Spirit. He helps us stay with him by continuing to move on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. All of these things God does in us and for us and through us. And we live it to the greatest degree when we abide in the vine. And as I close, I want to point out one thing. There's a difference between a person that has a reputation of being spiritually dynamic 
and a person actually being spiritually dynamic. Let's go back to the illustration of a marriage. Over the years of, of ministry, I was going to say how many, but it makes me sound so old. <laughs> Over the years that I've been in ministry, <clears throat> there will be couples in the church, and everybody thinks they're doing great. And then they're in my office. They're one step from divorce. They practically hate each other. I have some close friends. They don't talk outside of public. They look great in public, make a great living. They don't talk behind closed doors. There's a difference in having a good relationship in your marriage and having the image of a good relationship. There's a difference in abiding in Christ and being spiritually dynamic or having the reputation of being spiritually dynamic. Do you realize that I could come up here and preach to you every week just the same as you could come and attend here every week and, and be in these seats, go through the motions and not really be abiding in the vine? doesn't even mean that we're not theologically a Christ follower. But you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Some of the greatest preachers in the country eventually get up and stand before their people and say, I am so far from God. We had another one uh, leave his position about two months ago. And, and he said, I, I am so spiritually unhealthy. I have to step away because it's not the kind of unhealth that you can fix in a few months. It's going to take years. Right? His reputation is one of being spiritually dynamic. God's not as concerned with your reputation of how spiritually dynamic you are as he is whether you really are relationally dynamic with him. Listen to these verses in Revelation chapter 3. John is writing to the church. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit and the seven stars. I know all of the things you do. This is what he's saying to the church. I know all of the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive. So there it is. Reputation is different, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. And I find that your actions don't meet the requirements of God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first and hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as, an unex as unexpected as a thief. So my question for you is this. Are you showing up 
and I would follow that up with an additional question. Was there a time, if you're a Christ follower, was there a time in your life when you were showing up at the table to visit with God on a regular basis more than you currently are? Are you more functioning on a reputation of being spiritually dynamic or are you actually spiritually dynamic? God is saying, be dynamic. It all rests on this connection with God to live in vibrancy. One of my friends, we meet together over and over again, and he says, I, I, I just can't overcome these, the, the issues I feel, and I'm disconnected from God and all of this type, all these types of things. And I always say, tell me about your devotional life. I don't have time. Well, until you fix your time problem, you're never going to fix this connection problem. So, are you showing up with God? Are you sitting there on the bed or the couch or the chair? Just you and God. Lord, what do you want to what do you want to put in my heart today? What do you want to show me about these verses that I've read? I just encourage you, that's where it's at. Without that, without that invisible matter taking place the way it should, all we have is religion. And can I tell you, religion to me is one of the most boring, lifeless things there is. It's only in my connection with God. People say to me, Pastor Dan, you're religious. No, I'm not religious. Religion is dead. But when I sit on the sofa or my recliner or in my bed and I open my Bible and I begin to read and pray, the most dynamic thing happens. The God of all creation meets me in that place changes my thoughts changes my future actions repairs and heals my wounds emotional wounds relational wounds without ever getting an apology from the person who hurt me God can heal that wound you're here this morning and you've been holding on to a wound or something in your life. You say you can't get rid of it. I say, are you showing up? Are you showing up? Are you letting God do his work? Because you can't get in the presence of a dynamic God and not have it change your life. It just doesn't happen. Are you showing up? Are you there? Are you putting yourself in the position where God can really transform you? Taking care of the invisible matters. There's a great, great saying. If you take care of the depth, 
of your life, your spiritual life. God will take care of the breadth. We always want to do stuff for God, do more. God says, if you take it deeper, I'll take it wider. Leave the wider to me. I just invite you to close your eyes and pray with me today. Father, we just ask you, God, to be in this place in a very real way. God, for those who feel, when I started today, they, they, they feel discouraged or they feel condemned because they're not spending the time with you that they could be. It's not about condemnation, God. You don't want to condemn us for it. You love us as much when we don't pray as when we do. But we don't get the most out of our walk with you. So God, I pray that you'd help them to change their perspective. I pray that you would even now begin to start a process in their lives where they say, you know what? I'm going to commit myself to that more. And as they do, God, meet them there. Begin to transform their thinking and let them see the power of a dynamic God and what it is to have a relationship with Him in the invisible matters, the things that no one else sees. God, I pray for people who think, man, I'm great at this. I don't need to hear a word about it. I pray, God, that you would reveal to them that they're probably carrying some pride into their communication with you. That what they need may be the exact opposite. They may just need to quit basing things on their performance. Just let you deal with them. Let them figure out, God, why they have to be good enough all the time. Are they even giving you an opportunity to communicate the deeper things of their life that you want to lead them and guide them and direct them on? Father, I pray for the person in this, the people in this room who've never experienced what I'm talking about because they've yet to become Christ followers. Pray, God, that you'd move on their lives. That this would be a day they could take a step put their faith, their trust, their hope in you. In fact, I'm going to invite everyone just to lend your voice to a prayer and repeat after me. And some of you may be saying this prayer or will be for the first time in your life. God promises that when you pray and invite Jesus into your heart, that your sins are forgiven, you're brought into the family of God. So just pray along with me, everyone, if you would. Father God, I believe that Jesus is your son. And he came to save me from my sin. I confess my sin to you. Make me new. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. From this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. The Bible says that when people pray that prayer, they're brought into the family of God. Would you put your hands together for those who undoubtedly prayed that prayer today for the first time? 
The Bible says that they become part of the family of God. We would love to help you in your journey of faith. And so we have some resources. At this time, we are going to give everyone an opportunity to give. And so our ushers will be taking their place. Let me say that if you're our guest today, you don't need to feel compelled to participate in this. We only ask one thing of you. If you're our guest today, if you would be so kind as to take the blue card that you find in the cup holder next to you and fill out that information. And if you would do that and take it to the orange tent as a gift to you and a thank you for being here today, we'll have a free movie ticket for you. So just make sure that you stop with that guest card at the orange tent and they will give you a free movie ticket. That's all we ask of you today 